Welcome to the Millennial Recruiter Podcast, the podcast for forward-thinking recruiters that want to achieve success in both an ethical and sustainable way. I'm your host, Ben Shorter. In this episode, I've got the pleasure to interview Mark Hopkins, known as the Han Solo of recruitment. Mark is seen as one of the most ethical recruiters there is, constantly doing videos to add value to his, both his clients and his candidates. In this episode, we talk about content, we talk about what top performance looks like, and we talk about the difference between working for bigger and smaller brands. Really hope you enjoy and stay tuned for more episodes. Mark, first of all, welcome and thank you for joining me on the Millennial Recruiter Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right, buddy. Thank you for having me here, actually. It's, my, it's nice to be the other side, <laughs> be I'm, asked the questions. <laughs> I, I know, and uh, I think it's the thing, like, obviously your podcast is really well in always interviewing people. I remember our interview before, it was just awesome in yeah. terms of how you ask those questions. And it's It'd be nice for you to have that space to really talk about yourself and where you come from. So obviously, at the moment, you're an independent recruiter in the manufacturing space. How did you come to that point? Uh, as in kind of how I got to, to where I'm sitting down right here right now. Um, yep. It's a really good point. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a strange. I, I've been employed in the recruitment world for uh, before this for about 10 years, 10, 11 years at the time. I've been doing this for four, nearly five years now. I'm self-employed. Um, I don't actually call it self-employed, actually. I call it just work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is what it is. But to to, to get to this point, you know, I, I've done, uh, I used to be an engineer. Um, I then got into recruitment through a company that, that used to, that did engineering recruitment for Airbus and Boeing and stuff like that, doing contractors across Europe. Um, and then kind of from there, I was a resourcer and I, I kind of went in that kind of trajectory from that, um, went to work at places like Reed and Modis, did a couple of small agencies in the in-between as well. Um, really loved my time at Reed. I think if anyone wants to get into recruitment, go knock on the door of the biggest guys yeah. so that you can get the training or find a company that has you as a trainer <laughs> so, so, so they can learn how to do recruitment. And, and, and it's not difficult to teach it. It's just all about kind of retaining it and, and taking that to the practicality. Um, so I got to uh, a point when I was definitely working at Reed when I realized this, that I really want to do this for myself. But then yeah. the jump and the leap from going employed into self-employed, that is a big jump um, and, and really kind of working out how to do it. So over the years, I was kind of trying to think about how I'm going to do it. And then um, my last role at a company called Thornbaker, good company, good group of people. Um, it didn't work out. Um, we had to close my office or my kind of business part of it. Uh, wasn't making enough money quick enough for them. Um, and uh, I just basically woke up that morning and thought, do you know what? Now's the time to to really get into it and really go for it basically so that's kind of where why i well not why i started it was just a a click of i think it's time now i think if this is the moment um and i've never looked back since and it's been quite frankly a, a roller coaster of a ride to where i am today um but i don't want to leave it i don't want to forget i don't want to kind of walk away from it it's it's it is what it is if that makes sense it's my life now so it's it's yeah through thick and thin i've got to i'm going to stick with it Basically. Definitely, definitely. One one thing you said there was about 
making enough money for the, the business unit. Now, one thing I'd really like to talk about is how expectations have changed, particularly like when I'm speaking to trainees, because I remember back in the day, it was let's like, try and 360 a placement within one, two months. Oh, now, God. now there's a, a big difference. Yeah. Like, what do you actually think? Say you're, you're working for a, a medium-sized business or an independent. What should a consultant really be generating in Because I've, I've had business management training, so I've done kind of a lot of training. I've got some theoretical ideas to, to kind of bolt onto it at the same time. And that's what's really helped me grow my business more than anything. And I, you know, the, the, the forming, storming, norming kind of performing model is perfect for training consultants. So for, so for me, I, I, you know, if, if you get the, if you know and identify what forming looks like with these guys and then know how to get them into storming and how to get them into norming, which is where you're really kind of making the money regularly. But that storming is when they make their first placement because the forming, they're making zero money at that moment in time. So that's how I kind of attach it. So first of all, it depends on the sector. It depends on the company. It depends on um, the person you've got sitting at that desk trying to do the role and how engaged they are and wanting to do it. I mean, you're talking from three months to make the first placement to nine months where they start norming so in other words they're making regular money to a return on investment probably 18 months 12 to 18 months i would say um if i look at my own business my first year was was definitely forming and storming um i started norming around about month 12 and then i was making a a nice decent profit by month 18 to 20 um and so when I look at kind of that perspective, I, you know, I've done none of the things different than what I used to do when I was employed. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, I think patience is another big factor in that as well. Yeah. You know, how many times have you seen someone get hired there for three months, haven't made a penny, get thrown out the door, and then the next month suddenly their desk comes alive and yeah. no one can run it? <laughs> I, I, I actually had a situation where a trainee was, he was so going after like, bigger companies that his BD was really good but he didn't really do enough of it and at one point he was they they were talking about putting on uh, performance review now this year which is when he's just kind of hit the two-year mark at one point up until the coronavirus hit he made a contract placement every week wow <laughs> he's had, uh, had two pound placements going at 12 grand each and i think this is the thing you're, you're right it's that patience because he was doing the right behaviors it just takes some time it does it does it's a really competitive market as yeah. well we need to understand this um and especially if it's a if it's like it you know there's, there's tons of jobs in it it's just you're fighting over the candidates that's you know what i mean yeah. engineering is it's a bit of everything. It's a bit of shortage of candidates and a bit of shortage of jobs in certain sectors. So you're fighting in different ways. Accountants, you know, all these different sectors all have different nuances that take time. You know, if you do an FMCG kind of account directors or, you know what I mean, or account managers, that's going to take you six months to do that, you know, yeah. to make the first placement. It, so there's different things. So it's all about the patience. But when you just said that with that guy that's just made a placement like every week and then started making some perm placements, he's gone through that whole process of forming for a long period of time storming yeah. like very short period of time norming really quickly and now he's in the performing in my humble opinion that's yeah. performing or it might oh, not 100%. be 
you know yeah. what I mean? But if you're in, if you start seeing them falling back and forth in Norman performing, I wouldn't worry about that. I would yeah. be more worried if you fell from Norman back to fall. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where your problems start. Um, and then you've got to question other things. But yeah, that that that's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think it's funny, like, well, how would you say your experience of, like, what what's changed in the time that you've been in recruitment? Because one of the things that you said was about competition. It's, so... I have a theory that recruitment's cyclical. Yeah. Um, back in 2005, when I fell into this industry, it was very heavily RPO, um, kind of uh, PSL driven, where you as the recruiter were the, the, the people that would bring in the bodies in. Then it kind of, near the recession, started becoming more internal-esque. And then recession, so just before the recession, became more internal-esque, where there's a lot more internal teams. Recession here. All them people got rid of. And then when we came out of the recession, which we may see in the next couple of months when we come out of coronavirus, is this burst in usage of recruitment agencies. And we were talking about this before this podcast, where we were, the best years we've ever done was yeah. 2010 on to 2014. Yeah. So, so it says to you, there's, there's the, the golden age of, of, of recruitment. It's just after an economic breakdown. Um, and then it's slowly coming back again with the RPOs and, and internals. And and now we're here, there's a, a new, I keep calling it an epoch because it is, yeah. it's an absolute change in the way we do things moving forward. So to answer your question, what is it changing? Yes, it's changing. It's changing in cycles yeah. all the time. And depending on where we are in the financial markets and Brexit and now this and economic downturns, it really does put us in the position where we should be, basically. Doesn't it? Yeah, it is. It's funny looking at the cyclical nature of things. A lot of people, and sometimes businesses, they don't necessarily plan for that. There are going to be those highs where you're making... I remember once, I, I didn't make sales calls at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. It to me or yeah. someone down the pub said, I'll speak to... Like, okay, I made sales calls, but they weren't like yeah. me bashing the phone. And other yeah. times... Even if you're a great consultant, you've made money. You're gonna to have to go through that period of shit, like everything. So. Exactly. My first, my first year of biz, of running this business, it was this all day, every day. Yeah. Then the second year, I just, I was doing mailers. I was doing all these type of things. The second year, jobs were coming in to me. Mm. They were called in. I was like, where'd you get this job from? Oh, just a uh, so and so thought saw your your advertisement on LinkedIn, or so and so found you a mailer, or I was like, God's alive, and I was getting new jobs coming in daily i'm not joking at one point and it was really busy now in the last 12 months because of brexit and the buggery that's going on with brexit and, yeah. and everything that happened last year and now this it's back to the start it's back to this it's back to doing the, the good old-fashioned back to basics as we call it stuff so it never real changes never really really changes but what has impacted that though at the same time um, again, another theory that I like hearing about is Google's theory called the zero moment of truth, where we've got to market ourselves differently now as well. Yeah. So it's not just this is one of the tools, yeah. but marketing is another tool now that we need to go down the route of and presenting yourself in a in a, a way to draw people in. Yeah. I'm very hand gestury at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking for someone who's listening on. Spotify. I'm doing it for the deaf. I'm doing it for the deaf. <laughs> Often, when we're saying this at the moment, we're talking about phones because like, the, the phone is such an important part. But as you said, one of the reasons why I really wanted to have a conversation with you is that marketing side. I mean, before I go into that, so 
when I used to hit the phones way back in the day, right, in, in the early part of my career, I literally built a desk of calling up companies and saying, have you got any jobs? Mm. And I think most of us probably did as well. Do you know what? <laughs> and I still got jobs by saying that question. <laughs> exactly. Do you know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> And, and and again, it's coming back to where you were in that in that history or where you were in that time, where you could pick up the phone and say, "Do you have any jobs?" Engineering at one point, like um, uh, two thousand and seven, when I was doing engineering recruitment, I was picking up the phone, going, "Oh, it's Mark from from Reed. Oh yeah, there's three jobs for you." I haven't even done anything more yeah. than that. I, and and a company that size will have that gravitas to pull that in. But but it it was the time when there was enough work. There was plenty of work and they had a budget to use recruitment agencies to do that. And then things change. And what, what would you say the difference is now, like when you're picking up the phone to a client, what are the types of things you typically will start on uh, start a conversation with or talk about? So I try to talk about at the first is who I am and what I do. And because I'm in, because uh, I'm on my own, because I'm an independent, because I, you know, I do this for myself, and yeah, I love to grow it one day, but it's about me at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I, I try to just show them personality of who I am, and what they're engaging with isn't. Um, uh, I'm sorry to anyone out there that, that I might insult with this. It's not a robot um, in the recruitment world. I don't have masters. I don't have um, people telling me what to do. So I don't have KPIs. No. I have me and I'm interested in helping that person. And I'm trying to tell them how I'm going to help them. And then we talk about how much that costs because you've got to talk about that part because you do yeah. at the end of the day. And there's kind of, the biggest challenge then once you've introduced yourself is that kind of cost perspective and how much it's going to cost and then justifying the value add you're going to do to that at the same time. And that, and that's basically the process. Um, it may be different in different conversations, yeah. maybe fun in some people, it may be not so fun in other people. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you've, you've got to roll There's no set process, but you've got to understand that's the model that you've got to try to follow. Yeah. You know? It's funny, obviously you said about not having well, KPIs or having a master. Do you still like give yourself targets in terms of calls, BD? So, so um, regards to kind of BD, it's it's not like if I was working for someone where I've got to, have 50, got to do 50 of them to, to, yeah. to get X amount. Um, I tend to work more in the sense of I will constantly do it daily there's always a flow of it going on in the background. Even if I'm really hard working with other vacancies at the moment, I still spend an hour to build a, a list of companies or to go look at my mailer list, who's up in my mails and, and, and then go and speak to them and see if there's anything I could do. Um, sometimes that's detrimental to yourself because you pick up more work, <laughs> which is <laughs> not a good thing all the time. Uh, but but you, you, you know, that's a good place to be. If you've got too much work, you could pick and choose and then explain to people why you're not going to continue supporting them but then um yeah so so there are there is that and then with regards to kind of the only other kpi i have is just financial really yeah. uh, it's just money in and if there's no money if there's no interviews there's no money coming and that's how i look at it so of course of course in steps work for jobs work for interviews work for money and, yeah. and that's kind of how it works um yeah yeah because i think it's the thing often like people will look at KPIs as a, a bad thing or as a like a stick and beating people around with it. But ultimately it's almost good to have something that we're accountable for. Cause ultimately in your business, like if you don't do the right activity, you don't eat. Whereas sometimes I suppose when you're working for someone, there isn't that amount yeah. of pressure. Yeah. How do you structure your day then when you're thinking about like your average day in recruitment? It's, <sighs> 
over the years it's it's becoming like a, an almost habitual structure so there's yeah. no kind of um shit that needs to be done gets done basically yeah. the, the first thing and then uh, the stuff i like to do gets kind of does a little later on either that day or in the week normally my fridays unless there's something really important to be done tends to be my little project days where i'll build stuff do stuff make videos do podcasts yeah. that type of stuff whereas the rest of the week i you know if i've got no jobs then monday to thursdays is bd you know what i mean and every day yeah all day is bd uh, and there's no kind of i'll go do 20 calls no just go speak to as many people as i possibly can yeah. and that's basically it um there is no magic number <laughs> you know it, it, and, and again it comes again where are you in that kind of epoch of, of of recruitment you know it depends how many calls you make you could four years ago you could make three calls and pick up 20 jobs <laughs> you know now you've got to do 20 calls to pick up half a job or an opportunity to speak to someone so it's 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 different in different times so yeah you've got to really work at that really work at that obviously like you spoke about marketing quite a few times and one of the reasons why i wanted to jump on this call with you is probably because you're one of the first people that I really saw on LinkedIn properly marketing themselves, really focusing on good content, whether that was videos for your, your candidates and how to interview, videos for your clients in terms of what's happening with engineering. Obviously, you've got your podcast as well. How important is marketing these days? I, I think it's it's really important to you know take lead from things like the biggest brands first of all and how they market themselves why does coca-cola still put an advert out around christmas time do they really need to but it's important that you should be thinking very much like like these big brands so the, the idea behind my marketing was not only just to show who i am and why i care and why i do what i want to do and that's one of the biggest parts of what i try to do is show that but also to to put in people's mind whenever they need someone to do engineering recruitment they think of me straight away yeah. um and and that's kind of one of the drivers of of why i do so much and, and put myself out there but i equally want to give value and that's yeah. important if you're not it's great saying oh look if you want engineering recruitment come and speak to mark yeah. but you still need to kind of have some realism and, and something to offer and, and show people who you are um if you don't have that, then you're just a hollow husk and it doesn't bloody work for you, basically. So, yeah, got to show personality. That's number one, personality. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it is, I think it is the way with sales now. It's about being value-orientated. What, what would you say, what's your view of giving value to a client? So, or what, what do you do to give value to a client? I try to give as much. I mean, it's really down to what the client wants because there's there's no point trying to just force value on someone if they don't want the whole service. You know, most jobs you get, can you just give me CVs? I'll interview them, and then you know, off you go, and you you go and do that. Some clients need that handholding. Can you come to my office? Can you help me interview this candidate? Yeah. Or do you, can you do some some Skype interviews, record them, and send them over to me, and then I'll make my my mind if I want to see them. So you, you you're adding different levels of value to different clients, but I think that. The first thing is find out what value do they want? Yeah. What do they want? And and ask that question, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, just send me CVs. Okay, fine. I'll send you just <laughs> and you'll find that some of them don't want too much other than first of all, send CVs and don't be a dick at the same time. <laughs> because they, they've been they've been burnt. Most most yeah. clients have been burnt. Um you know, my, my my famous one last year, or the year before actually, was I must have taken on more jobs off the back of other agencies mis-selling 
um, I was going to say PPI then, Miss <laughs> in retained work, yeah. I picked about five jobs from um, in 2018 from agencies mis-selling retained work. There must have been a burst on retained training in one of those agencies yeah. or something. <laughs> and, and I'm speaking to these clients and they go, well, we're not going to pay you up front. And I'm like, well, why do you want to pay me up front? Oh, because so-and-so, we've, we've just paid them five grand for this and they've had the job for six months and delivered zero. And then I take the job and look at it two weeks later, they've got a candidate in front yeah. of them. And there's there's your value add, there's your proof, and then that client's going to be with you for repeat business moving forward because you did what you said you were going to do. Another point two, <laughs> to what you say you're going to do. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it, it's it's quite. I can't put it. It's it's not complicated, but then it's it's kind of you've got to represent that if you know what mm. I mean. Doing that. If someone once said to me, recruitment's not a job, it's a lifestyle choice. Oh, God, yeah. It might have even <laughs> been my dad, actually, who said that to it me. It probably was your dad. Yeah, it's true. It is. A, um, and also when you're self-employed as well, it's it's it, it's work-life integration. So yeah. you're not doing this because you enjoy it. You're doing this because it's a part of you and, and your personality, uh, which works really well for marketing when you're doing yeah. it on your own, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It means you can really put across, like even your LinkedIn post, you're not afraid to be a bit controversial, even with the, the post about PSLs, which reached a heck of an amount of people. It was a very honest Mark post, wasn't it? It wasn't manufactured. It wasn't trying to sell anything. It was just no. you being open. I, I, I just... I mean, it's a measured um, controversial, by the yeah. way. I'm not, I'm not Josh Harrison controversial. No, no, but, but, um, no, it was, it was, it's timed in the sense where we've just been hit by one of the worst situations in our in our in our time. Yeah. Um, and companies are looking after certain people, but then what about the people which are not being looked after at this moment yeah. in time? So if we want to pull through this together then start considering the people which need it the most and i'm not saying the big companies don't need it uh, and they don't work hard they freaking do they work yeah. really hard but they're in a lot more advantaged positions than the small companies which we're going to get forget forgot about over the next couple of months so i just wanted to raise that that bar straight away and say hey this is what we do but it wasn't about me it was yeah. about all everyone um in the same boat you yeah you know, everyone in, the, in this kind of marketplace um and the response has been phenomenal, absolutely yeah. phenomenal from it. So that's good to know. It's good to know people think the same. No, of course, of course. And I think that's often the beauty of social media. It really brings people together. If we're constantly sharing who we are and where we stand on certain topics, other people will gravitate towards us or people realise, okay, we're not necessarily for them. I mean, like, with everything that's happened in terms of the coronavirus, Obviously, it's going to have an impact on the recruitment industry. Could be for the next couple of months. Could be even a little bit longer. What yeah. would you say the right things are to be doing at this point? So, um, a lot of things you should be doing at this moment in time is 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 focusing on what you can do, what you can control. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you can't do any BD because the marketplace is not picking up the phone or there's no candidates applying for jobs, then what is that? What other things should you be doing right now to push yeah. your business to keep moving forward? And it's all about becoming, creating routine yeah. and not being kind of drawn into to the nothingness of of 
what's going on over the next couple of months. There may be some stuff you can still do. Still go look for candidates in your marketplace and link with them and, and create networks and start speaking to people and just have general chats. Mm. People will, we're in a weird world. Everyone's at home now. Yeah. So if you can't get hold of people, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's true. So, <laughs> so, you know, create those networks, be human, be yeah. that person. And, and importantly, just get yourself out there and, do these do podcasts yeah. speak to people basically it's, it's really funny you talk about being human um liz who does the sales for my business was on a call with a really really senior person a really really big organization and she picked up that the person was going for a bit of a bad day and she just had like an open conversation with that person which then opened the door for us massively and it, it's funny how being a good human being is so 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 key in these types of times like as you said it like we've got more opportunities now to speak to people than we probably had i've found it a heck of a lot easier to get through to recruitment directors now than i did i mean this this week i've I've spoken to more people than i've spoken to the whole of february that's that's the difference that we're in at the moment and and it's general conversations lovely conversations warming conversations as well um but the, because of them we're now going to remember each other yeah and uh, trust is died the trust but Byron's died. trust is such a crucial thing like in these times it's not i'm not speaking to people to sell i'm speaking to people to build relationships and build trust because trust is the most important thing we have is as a recruiter yeah particularly in the market there where sometimes recruitment isn't perceived as the best i i mean yeah <laughs> from, from your viewpoint obviously like recruitment's changed a, a heck of a lot in terms of i suppose the people that i see now versus even when i got into it i was one of those that i i went into recruitment because i saw my dad succeed and i thought i can make a shitload of money in this industry that was my core driver now obviously things have changed you don't go into becoming a trainer to to make loads of money you go become a trainer to make an impact but I see more and more people coming into the recruitment industry that really enjoy the human side of the job more yeah. so than even thinking about the financial targets. What, what, what would you say the key differences that you've seen over the last sort of 15 years of your career? Uh, I think that the, the biggest shift of, of, or the key difference then I should say, not the, not the shift, the shifts, like I say, are, are cyclical, but the, the biggest thing is social media, yeah. I think. Um, I know that goes without saying it, there were, elements of social media where it worked in some places and then elements it didn't i still believe linkedin is probably the main area for most recruitment agencies not all i mean i know people are doing extremely well with facebook groups yeah yeah you know at the moment i know some guys are doing really well with twitter um and then you've got some marketing agencies that are doing really well with instagram or tiktok um for me it's it's uh, a, a blend of of social media and marketing as in proper marketing mailers seo that type of stuff um you know, because my market is really like most markets in that sense engineers tend to be sat in front of a machine not in front of a laptop yeah so it's it's yes you've got the design guys you know and, and so forth so yeah it's it's it, it differs from kind of different place to different place but yeah the shift has been has been that kind of sociological kind of situation that we're in which is social media um that's the biggest difference at its core recruitment hasn't really really changed yeah. really is it you know it's 
agency recruitment hasn't really really changed at all um so there's still a a place for 360 consultants or 180 or recruitment agencies in general so yeah just everything's bolted different it's funny obviously you see all the time about different articles about maybe how ai is going to replace or get involved in recruitment how data can be differently yeah. What do you think the future lies for us as recruiters? I, I, again, it's, it's, I think, um, do you know, the weird, weird when I was chatting to uh, a couple of guys this week about this and um, a couple of them concerned because now that people are now working from home, they're going to figure out how they're going to figure out our secret, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is not, it's not that bad. Is it? Really? No, not so uh, it's quite easy. What were we worried about? <laughs> uh, which, which, you know, some people are going to freaking hate it. They can't wait to get back to the office. Some people are going to go, yeah, do you know what? I think I could do this. I could do this for myself. Yeah. I'm here now. I've got it all set up. I've, you know, I've got me, me, me headphones and my, and my laptop going and my internet connection going. It should be too bad. Um, so the, maybe the future starts looking more independent. So there'll be yeah. more kind of smaller businesses propping up, more lifestyle businesses. Um, people accuse me of having a lifestyle business. I'll take that. It's fine. Mm. I, you know, it doesn't mean to say I do a shit job at what I do. And that's, mm. you know, my post from the other uh, from Monday kind of is saying, we're still doing the same freaking job as everyone yeah. else. Um, and there's, there's your different, there's your thing. The core is still the same. What we do is still the same. But how you do it, the, 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 you know, that circling around it is different. And then if you go to Simon Sinek's why and you add that yeah. why you do it around it at the same time, then it, it's kind of, it, the world is not kind of, too dissimilar in places but then it does how do i put it you're still going to get the super big agencies but then i think there's going to be more smaller independent guys um, at the same time basically which may feed into the big agencies at some point yeah definitely definitely i mean there's all sorts of doors open even in the time that i've been in recruitment i think there's four five times the, the amount of agencies now than there was yeah so uh and it is positive that anyone can set up now, what, if someone was thinking about, okay, I, I am going to set up for myself, what advice would you give them? Um, go and check yourself first in a mental health clinic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, this, this, I get asked this question a lot. Um, the, the, the number one kind of thing is you're setting up for a reason, okay? Can look inside yourself, can you really, really do this? Can you, you know, are you... At the moment, are you getting your jobs from the fact the company's a big company and it's feeding you the work and you're just, like I said earlier on, some of the big companies have gravitas, so they're going to get the work whether you're picking up the phone or not. Yeah. Um, or are you doing all that work? Are you really picking up the phone and driving business, driving sales? And when I left Reed and went into the smaller companies, I realized how much the bigger company really helped me. Um, in, in, and I learned the hard way. I learned, you know, I failed quite a few times. Yeah, and and now I realise what I need to do to do that. So think about that part first: is where you're going to get the work from, how you're going to do it, can you really do it, um, and then the next part is when we talk about forming, storming, norming. Well, in the self-employed, forming means zero money, <laughs> storming means a little bit of money, and then norming means a regular income. And once you get to that regular income, it then becomes a job. But between there and and getting that regular income is dependent on you and your ability and your patience and, and, and how much money it's, it's an infinite game. Yeah. It's an infinite game. And you've got to be able to learn how to survive in that kind of period of time and, okay. and as well and continue surviving. Definitely. I think like, 
obviously you mentioned Simon Sinek and why, and I think why is often what keeps us going. What would you say your why is? Um, what well, it changed. Um, it changed a few times over the last few years. Um, to be honest with you, my when I first started this is because I wanted to become more depend, independent for myself and, and, and I really wanted to, to do something for myself that I could put my name on it and stamp on it and do it for my family and then grow it into this, you know, several people in a nice office. Um, and that was my picture. That was my kind of thought. And it was going that direction. And then business fault is kind of run about Brexit time last year. And then I just kind of, my why is kind of not changed as in I want to grow this. That That's yeah. still a part of it. My why now is, is that I'm loving this. Yeah. This, this is, this is me. I'm enjoying this. Even when I'm not making money, I'm still loving this. I'm still getting up in the morning and skipping into my office and, and enjoy, you know, and, and, and seeing problems and thinking, right, how do I solve this problem? I'm trying yeah. to work around it. Yes. There's dark days where I'm just kind of, Oh my God, why am I doing this? And then I, you know, get kind of annoyed with myself, but I always come back to, I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. And there's my why. I don't want to do anything else, <laughs> basically. And that's that's it. And, and it sounds a little bit kind of Disney in essence, yeah. but I think sometimes the simplest why is is enough than a complex. Yeah. What would you say your funniest experience has been in the 15 years or so that you've been doing recruitment? Funniest experience? Flipping hell. Um, <laughs> I, I can tell you're probably vetting all these things through your head and thinking, can I I'm trying to think which one I'm not going to get sued on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, generalistically, my funniest experience tends to be, um, oh shit, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> There's a lot of people in the recruitment industry that hasn't picked up a phone for a long time. <laughs> and... They're telling you what to do. And my funniest experiences tend to, to, to circulate around those type of scenarios, basically. Um, but then I, I've, I've had candidate excuses. You know, in all those kind of standard stuff as a recruit, you get kind of excuses and harbinger of killing nans when there's an interview. Um, so, yeah, I know I've been generalistic. I, I don't want to kind of – I'll tell you offline some really yeah. – <laughs> sorry, it's what it's, 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 no, no, it's fine, mate. It's fine. Okay, cool. Uh, some really mental stories. I, I always find those are the funny experiences. And I think every recruiter will go through these kind of um, the office moments with certain people, yeah. if you know what I'm saying, um, doing the so, – oh. no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that answers your question, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just means we're going to have more funny chats, I think, Mark. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That was a diplomatic, uh, that was a political answer, actually. <laughs> it, it, it's funny, though. One of the things you said about people doing the job, I was actually, I, I was presenting to a board of directors about delivering training, and I'm always adamant that I have to do a training needs analysis and understand the business first. And they were... They were talking about it, and they are a very big company. And I remember just saying to them, look, if you want someone, a trainer, to tell you what they did to make money in the 90s, I'm not your person. Yeah. And that's what a lot of training is, in my opinion. It's, yeah. it's people that, that they did well at one point, and they're, and they're great at articulating that, but they keep going back to their stories. Yeah. Now, I do use my stories as a trainer. But my story is about what my trainees have done over the last year is way more impactful than what I did in 2010. Yeah, oh, 100%. Well, the, way, the way that 
training, you know, I, when I was training staff, yeah. the way I was taught recruitment in 2005 and then in 2010 was different. And, yes. and, and then we went in 2010 to 2015 before I started my business was different again. And now if I was training someone, uh, I mean, the number two or three things that I would probably start with is, is how to market themselves. Yeah. Let alone picking up the phone. Do you know what I mean? How to put themselves across as a, as a, as a standard human being. Um, where someone has done recruitment in the 90s and hasn't evolved with recruitment and, and they have this perception of what recruitment is, um, one, understand how to produce a really good blog or how to do a good video or how to sell yourself and your, sell your job. You know, yeah. Mitch Sullivan talks about it all the time, how to write good copy, not yeah. our client. You know, why are you writing that? And, and get a little giveaway, you know, Ada, for God's sake. <laughs> it is actually funny. Like, I've not really spoke to, to Mitch, but I'm big into the idea of good copywriter. My, my girlfriend's a copywriter. Oh, there we it's, go. It's yeah. something that in the course of building my business, I got really into. Recruitment doesn't do that well at it, really, if we're being Terrible. honest. Like, yeah. You look at a job advert and it, it's just shit. Like, yeah, but because the training is shit. Yeah. Because that's that's why the job advert shit. So you know, I did Mitch Sullivan's course, and and I, you know, I I thought I had an idea what what it should look like. And when I came out of that course, uh, you know, I I realised I was a little off track. But like he said, you know, some people get it very quickly, and then some people take a while to kind of get it. And and I realised that you need to be writing copy. You need to be writing. You're freaking selling jobs to people. <laughs> Why aren't you selling jobs? You know, our client is a blah, 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 blah. It's not selling a job. That's just telling someone that, you know, it's, it's not even a job bloody spec, is it really? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, who cares is your client? What is the job? What does it do for me? Why should I apply for this job? And, and that's, you know, where, and it's not just copy for your adverts. It's copy for your marketing. That yeah. recruitment marketing is fucking terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, and when we had this insurgence in the last couple of years of video and how bad recruitment agencies are doing video as well. Oh God, I wish I could do a training course on that for some people and charge them a shed load of money and get it right. <laughs> because again, so, so copy is really yeah. important. It's the spoken word. It's telling people what you do. Definitely. Definitely. And one, one final thing then. So if you were speaking to someone who's brand new to the industry right now, what one piece of advice would you give them? Um, I think sometimes it, I've, I've done this a few times, actually. Um, a couple of people have come to me outside of their business and asked me my opinion and, 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 and not mentors, the wrong word, but just have an idea of, of what's right and wrong from another perspective, like a, like a, a third angle or a different angle to, to the situation. And, um, cause I, I run a little small group called the recruiter, recruiters arms and we've had people join it and talk to us very openly about what they're not getting from their jobs at the moment. Um, and we've, we've, we've coached, is that the right word? Just had general conversations around what is right and what is wrong really. And, and to find someone to, to kind of talk to, put yeah. some sanity in it like you said earlier on if this is a lifestyle um <laughs> and you're gonna have to have some sort of sanity put into your lifestyle and, and talk to people find out what they think it's surprising the amount of people out there that will listen and, and tell you some great advice i think definitely definitely and the, the recruiters that was actually something i was meant to ask you about we've yes. not talked about it at all the recruiters arms i don't Can want you... to talk about it no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm only kidding. Um, so, 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 so what is it? So um, ages ago, about two years, three years ago, uh, a couple of people, myself, Tim Chataway, Josh Harrison, um, uh, we all kind of, we were all chatting away on a LinkedIn messenger, just generally, just somehow we started talking to each other just randomly off the back of, of probably what Josh had done that day or something. And um, we started helping each other and um, Shane Milkin as well. Um, and we started helping each other and we started thinking, you know, a couple of weeks of that and we thought, oh, this would be great if we could invite more people to it. So Tim went away and opened a Discord channel and then we all came in to it and then we started inviting other people and for some reason it just exploded this one mm. month. It did really, it got loads of people there and it kind of just contracted because I don't know why people can, these things kind of explode at first and then they come down. But the great thing about this, this thing still kept going with a very good core membership. And we've been, I've, I've now turned into, con, they drive it like Facebook, like LinkedIn, yeah. they drive the content. I don't push anything on them. People want to talk openly about stuff or pull it to one side and do that. It's it's almost like a, like a self-help group. Yeah. Um, and we get in the odd member every now and again. I invite people that I think will do well in there. Um, and they come in and they do really well. And, and we, we just have general conversations. In this time of weird time at the moment, we've, we're going to do a lot of Google Hangouts together. And the last one we did last week was just brilliant banter. It's great for mental health. And we just talk shit. And we talk some real sensible stuff on what we're going to do into the future. So... It's almost a self-help group, yeah. uh, self-support group. It's yeah, it's the recruitment vision of AA. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it's often needed with our, our industry, and isn't it? This is it, and people come and go. People come yeah. back and and when they need us, and they go and you know we've had people, some I won't mention their names, but some people that have been in the group for a long time are quite are quite well known in the LinkedIn world, um, yeah. and they've gone away and come back and gone away. Some of them have copied the, copied it, and yeah. and done what they want and. You know, I'm not. I don't want to mention his name. He's doing very successful doing a version of his, but for yeah. his sector in in what he does as well. Yeah. Um, do I want to monetize it? Or do I want to grow it? Don't know. Do, do people want it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's but at the moment it works for what it is, which is a group of people with the same problems talking about them. Yeah, it's, yeah. and it's funny like recruitment is a hyper competitive industry but you wouldn't necessarily think that there are places where people come together like that but there yeah. is obviously and it is funny yeah. some of these people you might even be competing against but we still like add value to them and support them yeah definitely definitely and that's the, the important part of this and i think certain people from the 80s and 90s that never liked that hmm. are gonna have to and this is the bigger this is the biggest change of recruitment collaboration is huge now yeah it's huge you know i'm i'm working 50 50s with some companies at the moment on certain jobs that wasn't that was unheard of three years ago let alone you know 10 years ago so, so occasionally you know, like i do bits of recruitment for L D roles within agencies and someone was talking to me about it. they're like well like, how would it work if i referred someone to you i'm like I'm the 50-50 splitters. If I've got a candidate and you've got a client, or if I've got a client and you've got a candidate, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's that thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's seen more and more and more with small independents where we actually do speak to each other, we do pass each other candidates. And how, look, sometimes, particularly in this climate, if someone said to me, oh, Ben, I'm looking at, like, potentially looking for an L&D person once this will finish, I'm like, here's some CVs. I want to get these people into work. Like, I don't care about fees at this point for that now obviously we've all got to make a living but 
it's funny how recruiters you see that more emp- empathetic side coming out more and more and more yeah and i think pay it forward seems to be a new yeah. kind of methodology at the moment as well i've done a lot of supporting people and help people recruiters arms as well and then whenever i've kind of said oh guys i need help with this suddenly people are helping you and and you're thinking well why did they do that and then you remember two years ago you helped these guys yeah. you spoke to these guys you 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 know again coming back to that human trust thing um, quite recently, and it almost brought me to tears. What someone said to me, "What's your opinion about this guy?" Because I'm going to start doing business with him soon. And I said, "Oh, um, I think he's a nice guy. I've only spoken to him a couple of times." And then the next thing he said, "I trust you implicitly. So if you say he's a good guy, then I tr- I take that." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What did I do? <laughs> what did I say for you just to think that's of me?" And, and honestly, it was overwhelming. And it's not the first time someone said that to me. So it's. Mm-hmm. Quite, weighs down on your shoulders when people think that but it's liberating it's brilliant to pay that forward and and to get and to get it back later on as well so yeah it's this is it this is it i think it's the thing like almost to leave it on that final note being a nice person paying stuff forward is the way to go in recruiting. i think so i think so and a lot of people forget that and it's often just not being judgmental towards candidates and clients and trying to give value. And if we're always doing that, the amount of stuff that, that comes back to us. And it's funny, like even with starting this podcast, one of the things that I noticed, I was asking a couple of people in terms of appearing as guests and, and some people blanked it and that that's fine. But there's some people that I did not expect to get back to me that work for these mega agencies yeah. and really senior positions. And, and one of them's like, yeah, go for it, Ben. You know, you know, whenever I did, I started doing my podcasts, um, I was shocked the people that wanted to be on podcasts, let alone um, there was there was some people that didn't want to be on podcasts and they didn't want to be heard, which I get that. But then, you know, you you approach some of them and you say, look, do you want to be on this podcast? People want to be heard. People have a story. And that's what I love about these things. People have have a a tale to be told and, and they want people to hear it. Um, so yeah, it's we don't podcasts are lovely. They're great. Yeah. They're great ideas for sure. Definitely, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I, I'm certain we'll end up doing this again as well. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> for everyone that's listening, make sure you follow Mark Hopkins on LinkedIn. Like, it's always got great content going on. He's engaging, and he really is a thought leader within our industry. Thank you. Oh. Thanks, mate. No, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on here. I enjoy doing these things anyway. So it's cool. It's cool. Thank you, Mark. Take care. Bye. Bye, mate. You can-